The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today about pacifiers. Mothers and parents have been asking me about pacifiers for as long as I've been a nurse. And probably they were asking me about it before then. But honestly, I distinctly remember that when I was young, we really didn't have any decent literature on pacifiers. My mother was very negative about pacifiers. Her comment was, oh, those dirty, germy things. I would never give one of those dirty, germy things to my kids. Well, I thought my mother was a little over the top. I figured it probably wasn't that big of a deal. But in truth, I wasn't really sure what to tell parents about pacifiers, particularly parents of breastfed babies. And what's more is, when I was young, we didn't have the word evidence-based practice. That was not the go-to phrase. But most certainly, I was all about what does the research say? Uh, I am very grateful to the many nurses who helped me in college to be committed to a research base. And so, actually, I found very little. And so my way to deal with it was sort of to say, well, you know, I don't really offer them to babies. I don't really encourage parents to use them. We don't have any evidence that they're necessary or useful or whatever. But yeah, I guess if you want to give it, it's it's up to you. Now, many years later, I find myself saying some of those things. Here's the part that I definitely do say. It's up to you. And I will say that over and over again, that this show, like all of my other shows, it's all about the information. As the parent, it's up to you to decide what you want to do for your baby or not do with your baby. It's up to you. But it's my job to give you the information so that you can make an informed choice about what you do or do not offer to your child, pacifiers or anything else for that matter. And I guess this kind of really started surfacing in my mind because I read a study here just recently. It was a study by Eisenberg and her colleagues And what they did actually was that they looked at the advice that mothers are given about infant care. More specifically, 
they looked at four possible sources of information, and here are the four sources. Number one, just what you'd think, doctors. Number two, the other thing that you would think, nurses that are in the hospital where the baby was born. Now, for most of my career, that would have been me, okay? Number three, families. And number four, media. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. I have a radio show. I host Born to be Breastfed. That's media. And so I kept reading this study, and what I found was that the researchers were especially interested in looking at the advice given to parents on these five topics, immunization, breastfeeding, sleep position, sleep location, and guess what? pacifier use. I'm thinking, wow, I'm interested in all of those things, particularly the breastfeeding stuff and the pacifier stuff and all of the other things are sort of related. So the researchers actually then classified the advice that was given to parents. They found that pretty much the worst scenario was that the parents had received no advice on the topic whatsoever while the best scenario was that parents had received advice that was consistent with current recommendations and current research. And pretty much they found that and everything in between. So the researchers found that mothers reported that doctors were the most prevalent source of advice in terms of how they got it, But approximately 20% of mothers reported that no doctor advice had been given for breastfeeding or sleep position. I'm thinking, oh, I got a lot of work to do here. And more than 50% reported no advice regarding sleep location or pacifier use. So that means the half of the mothers in this study were not getting any information about pacifier use. The advice given by nurses in the hospital was similar to the advice given by the doctors, meaning not much and not very good. For nearly all of those five practices that I just mentioned, advice from family or the media was 20 to 56% for nearly all of those five things, and the advice was often inconsistent with recommendations. Now, interestingly... Mothers reported media as the source of advice less than half of the time, with the exception of approximately 70% of mothers reporting advice about breastfeeding from the media. So what does that mean? It means that about 70% of these mothers were getting advice about breastfeeding from the media, but not so much so the other four topics, to which I'm thinking, oh, great, well, I'm media I guess I need to do something here. So this recent study recently provided some evidence that parents are not getting the information on these important topics. And honestly, this is not surprising to me when I read this research for two reasons. First of all, I've taught in 40 out of the 50 states. I have taught registered nurses. I have taught MDs. I've taught nurse practitioners, lactation consultants, childbirth educators, uh, massage therapists, I yikes, I'm trying to think what else. Pretty much, you name it, I've taught all of those folks 
over the last couple of decades at least, and I've seen with my own eyes how many of the people that I'm teaching, the professionals and others, don't really know the existing research or recommendation about these five practices that I just mentioned, especially the the pacifiers. And second, research shows that the professionals simply don't know the correct information to give to clients. So it's really not a far leap to think that if the professionals don't know the information or the latest recommendation, then of course, they're not going to give any information to parents or worse yet, they're going to give information that's not correct. So today I said to myself, all right, I'm going to set the record straight here and I'm going to go through some of these studies and I'm going to help people to figure this stuff out. I want to just alert you that when I wrote my first book, and I think I started writing in 1995, the first book did not publish until 1998, I found, I believe, two studies about breastfeeding and pacifiers. Before I went to airtime tonight, I looked and I found that I had a stack of 151 studies. Now, a couple of things there. First of all, I'm better at finding the studies now that nowadays than I was uh, several years ago. And yes, I did look at studies that were more than just breastfeeding, so it's really not a fair comparison. But I think you get where I'm going here. There are a ton of studies now that look at pacifiers in relation to breastfeeding and look at pacifiers in relation to what other impact they might have. So definitely, this is a time when you want to listen up because I'm going to talk about the pacifiers and their impact on breastfeeding, their impact on other health outcomes, both short-term and long-term. I'm going to talk about some ways that you can maybe avoid the whole pacifier thing if you wish to. And then at the end of the show, I will wrap up with some everyday sort of summary and practical recommendations. So really, the purpose of my show today is to help you make an informed decision about pacifier use so that you can do the thing that you think is best for your baby. And what am I going to cover? Well, the first thing I'm going to take on is what exactly do the experts and the authorities say? The first three experts, certainly not the only expert groups, but the ones that come to my mind are the World Health Organization, the dental the american dental association and the american pediatric uh the american academy of pediatrics excuse me that did not come out quite right so i'd like to start actually with the american dental association and the reason i say that is that very often people don't really think about dentists in all of this but actually the american dental association points out that sucking is a reflex and in utero babies suck their thumb or their fingers and So parents should really accept the idea that sucking is normal, and I agree with that. And they point out that babies will exhibit a greater need to suck as they are in specific circumstances. So quite interestingly, it's the Dental Association that says, and this is a direct quote, placing a thumb or another finger in the mouth provides some children with a sense of security during difficult periods such as when they are separated from their parents, surrounded by strangers, or in an unfamiliar environment, unquote. Now, I would agree with that statement. And I would also point out that especially 
not only, but especially for the newborn. You know, this baby has been in the intrauterine environment for nine months. And now he's suddenly in a very, very unfamiliar environment of the outside world. And separation from the parents is, in most cases, entirely unnecessary. I know that you probably heard my earlier show with Dr. Susie Luddington, and she talked about skin-to-skin contact. Earlier, you probably also heard my show with Dr. Niels Bergman, and he talked about how important it was to keep mothers and babies together, preferably skin-to-skin. And I believe that he ended that show by saying zero separation. All righty. So I want to pull these ideas together for you because absolutely it's helpful to see that while the Dental Association makes a good point about separation as being a likely cause of digit sucking, and by digits I mean either the thumb or the fingers, doesn't matter, but it's also helpful to see that such separation could be avoided. Now here's a thought for you. How many newborns have you seen sucking on a pacifier while they're skin-to-skin with their mothers. You know, honestly, I can't remember any. The dietetic, uh, excuse me, the Dental Association makes a clear statement that prolonged thumb-thucking, thumb-sucking, sorry, may cause problems with the proper growth of the mouth and the alignment of the teeth. It can also cause changes in the roof of the mouth. And as the Dental Association points out, that is correct. The research absolutely backs that up. Now, on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what the Dental Association says. Then I'm going to go on and talk with you about the uh, World Health Organization and the American Academy of Pediatrics. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. 
Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on Born to be Breastfed. Now, I just want to make sure that you're all awake and you are listening because I got two important announcements. One is I'm taking calls today at 630. That would be half past the hour, wherever you happen to be. I'm on Eastern Time, but it will be half past the hour. So if you have questions about pacifiers in relation to breastfeeding, please give me a call. I would also like to tell you that if, just if, you happen to be coming to my comprehensive lactation course, you know the one. It's the one that gives 90 of the lactation-specific hours if you're looking to take the IBCLC exam. If you are coming to that program in Dallas on the first week of November 2015, and if you hear this show, raise your hand, tell me, what you liked best about this show, and I will give you the door prize that day. So, just a thought, let me know. And by the way, if you're too late, it won't work, all right? You got to tell me that day when you are uh, the first day of the course in Dallas, 2015, first week in November. All righty. So, anyway, I left off by talking to you about the American Dental Association. Now, the Dental Association encourages the parent to help the, the baby to stop sucking the pacifier, but it warns that too much pressure on the child can backfire, and I agree, because then what happens is that sometimes they're just all the more reluctant to give it up. But they also point out that the parent could do a number of things to kind of be a reminder to the to the child. And by now, we are talking about a child, not a baby. Uh, things like putting a Band-Aid or something on the thumb or putting the uh, sock over the hand at night so that the baby is not sucking his thumb at night. Now, the Dental Association doesn't say this, but I would like to suggest to parents that putting a sock over a child's hand or putting uh, little mitties on their hands uh, may have a useful place for the older child that's needing to discontinue the pacifier habit, but not so if you are covering the hands of a newborn, all right? Newborns really need to find their hands. They need to give those early hunger cues, 
that is consoling to them and it is a communication technique to their parents. So just watch that and pretty much anything that I ever say about breastfeeding really depends on how old the baby is and this is a wonderful example. Remember though that sucking is a self-help behavior. So the Dental Association goes on to say that if the thumb sucking persists, this is a quote, if the thumb sucking persists, talk to your child's dentist or pediatrician. He or she can prescribe a, a mouth appliance or a medication which you can use to coat the thumb to prevent the thumb sucking, unquote. I, I admit that I don't really clearly understand what exactly this appliance or medication might be, but I do know this. If the baby has not developed the pacifier habit in the first place, then such interventions would not be necessary. All right, let's talk for a minute about the World Health Organization. This is usually the one that gets a lot of press. The World Health Organization brought pacifiers to the forefront of the breastfeeding discussion when they published their 10 Steps to Successful Breastfeeding. Now, you know which one I mean, right? I'm talking about the 10 Steps to Successful Breastfeeding. More more specifically, I'm talking about Step 9 of the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative that says, quote, Give no pacifiers or artificial nipples to breastfeeding infants, unquote. All right. So this is when the discussion started getting big. And then there were authors who came along and basically said, whoa, you World Health Organization, where did you get that information? Well, I don't know precisely because I haven't read the actual the actual document from 1991 in a while. But I would imagine that maybe some of it related to Dr. Victoria's study that he was probably conducting but hadn't published. That would be my guess. So this is why we've got a lot of angst about what the World Health Organization says. But I want to point out that the World Health Organization, the 10 Steps, the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, all of that is about what happens during the hospital period. Again, the age of the baby is important here. All right, so then I want to take you to what you've probably also heard a bunch about, which is the American Academy of Pediatrics. And in their statement... And here's the name of the statement. The name of the statement is SIDS and other sleep-related infant deaths, expansion of recommendations for a safe infant sleeping environment. And if you'd like, I can give you the link for that in the show notes today. I've already written a blog, and I don't have that published right this moment on my website, but I will shortly. All right, so in this document, The American Academy of Pediatrics, the AAP, recommends that the parent, quote, consider, unquote, offering the pacifier to the baby. And this wording is important. Alrighty, I'm going to give you the verbatim quote. It says, quote, consider offering a pacifier at nap time and bedtime, unquote. Notice that they've used the word consider and they've used the word offer. And then they go on to say, quote, 
The pacifier should be used when placing the infant for sleep. It does not need to be reinserted once the infant falls asleep. If the infant refuses the pacifier, he or she should not be forced to take it. In those cases, parents can try to offer the pacifier again when the infant is a little older. So then, speaking of age, notice that the AAP makes the distinction that the pacifier should not be offered to a baby during the initial hospital stay, nor during the days or the weeks immediately following. Here's the direct quote. For breastfed infants, delay pacifier introduction until breastfeeding has been firmly established, usually by three to four weeks, unquote. Now, this is where it gets, I don't know, hairy or misconstrued or something. But a lot of times what I hear parents saying is, Well, the AAP says that it's okay. The AAP says that it's good. The AAP says blah, 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 blah to give your baby a pacifier. I want you to keep in mind that what the AAP says is consider. They say offer. They specifically say do not force. Wasn't that the word? Uh, Yes, that, that the baby should not be forced to take it. And then they specifically say, delay pacifier introduction until breastfeeding has been firmly established, usually three to four weeks. And by the way, most experts that I know would say that lactation is firmly established not until three to four weeks, and I totally agree with that. Okay, so basically what I've done here, I've given you the official party line from the American Dental Association the World Health Organization, and the American Academy of Pediatrics. And so there's got to be a tiny little part of you that's saying, well, now wait a minute, how, how, why did she give this statement of, that came from the whole business on SIDS? What does that have to do with it? Well, I'm hoping that you're going to stay tuned with me because in the next segment, I'm going to take on more about SIDS. But in the meanwhile, what I would like you to know here is why parents actually use pacifiers in the first place. I have seen this in the literature, and I have also seen this in real life. Basically, the literature shows that parents will give the pacifier because they want to soothe the baby. And if you've given your baby a pacifier, I'm sure that you have every good intention, want to keep your baby soothed, and that's a good thing. Okay, it's it's not the only way to soothe a baby, but it is one way. Another reason might be because you have the belief that it prevents SIDS. Now, parents have told me this because if I give my my baby a pacifier, it will prevent SIDS. That's not really true. We don't exactly know what causes SIDS, so we don't exactly know how to prevent it. So as I talk with you on the other side of the break about SIDS and the breastfeeding connection and the pacifier connection, one of the things that I'll be telling you is that there's an association, there's a relationship, there's a, there's a correlation. But proving cause and effect is, we're a long way from proving cause and effect, and so therefore we can't prove prevention or cure. 
Another reason might be, and parents have told me this, well, I would rather give him the pacifier because I don't want him sucking on his thumbs. I don't want him sucking on his fingers. And so I usually have to take a step back and say, well, remember, it's even, and the research will back me up on this, friends. Babies who suck their thumbs will also suck a pacifier, and babies who suck a pacifier will suck their thumbs or their their fingers. It won't prevent finger sucking is what I'm saying. And because sometimes parents will tell me, yeah, but just think, uh, I can take the pacifier away, I can't take the thumb away. Well, it's not quite that simple. And I would also say that a lot of people do it, and the research shows this, because their mother or their mother-in-law advises them to use the pacifier. So before you decide that, Let me give you some more information. On the other side of the break, we will be talking about SIDS and its relationship to the pacifier, and then we'll go on to talk more about breastfeeding. I'm Marie Biancuto. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The new Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me as I'm talking about pacifiers today, trying to really help you to sort out what is best for you and your baby, getting the information so that you can make an informed choice. So as I was saying, the AAP, their thing is talking about SIDS or similar sleep problems. So it's important for you to understand these words. And I'm not just splitting hairs with you here. This is important because it's important to understand that the research does not say, nor does the AAP say, that the pacifier, quote, prevents SIDS or similar problems. There appears to be some correlation or association or relationship, but the nature and the extent of that relationship is unclear. Is it that sucking a pacifier allows the baby to be roused more easily and therefore offers some protection against SIDS? Is it that breastfed babies do not go into a deep sleep for as long of a period as formula-fed babies? You probably already know that formula is digested more slowly. And so therefore, do we need additional studies to figure out what's protective for what baby? Now, Fleming and colleagues in 1999 were among the first to question the relationship between pacifier use and protection against SIDS. They said, and I quote, Further epidemiological evidence and psychological studies are needed before pacifier use can be recommended as a measure to reduce the risk of SIDS. And it was later that Fleming and colleagues talked about, for instance, the last sleep and they basically said this is more Im- this is more complicated than just say do this and the other thing w- will will be uh risk will be lessened um franco and colleagues looked at infants and what they found actually was that the baby that was using a pacifier sleep had lower auditory arousal thresholds and then you look at somebody like Hands are in colleagues, and they found that, quote, factors other than arousal mechanisms might be responsible for the efficacy of pacifiers in the SIDS prophylaxis. Uh, Prophylaxis is just a fancy term for protection. So what does this mean? I I don't know. And honestly, I think probably the very, very best study was summarized by Victoria's 
title of his uh, article in 1997. Now, for those of you who look down your nose at dates, save it, because I am much more interested in the quality of the study than the date that it was performed. So as long as they are making babies pretty much the same as they made them in 1997, and babies have the same hearts and the same lungs and the same teeth and the same mouths and the same everything, it seems to me that what you should really be looking for would be quality of the study. And by the way, if you're looking at quality studies, it would be pretty hard to beat a doctor like Cesar Vectora. He is probably one of the finest researchers available in the world today as far as babies, public health, or breastfeeding. The man is a genius. And the reason I loved his study was partly because of its title. He said, pacifier use and short breastfeeding duration cause, consequence, or coincidence. And I think that even though that one was breastfeeding specific, I'd just like to bring it back here to the whole thing with SIDS. We don't know what's a cause and what's an effect. We don't know what is a consequence. We don't know exactly what is a coincidence. So then the the next thing that really was sort of a big flap was the study by Hawk and colleagues. And they published a massive, and I mean a massive, study of studies. A study of studies is called a a meta-analysis. And what they found, they said that published case control studies demonstrate a significantly reduced risk of SIDS with pacifier use, partly when placed for sleep. And then they went on to say that the pacifier, and so this is no longer a direct quote, they went on to say that the pacifier should be offered to the baby before sleep episodes. And they clarified that that should be nap time as well as nighttime sleeps. They also said, and by the way, if my memory serves me correctly, Hawk was the uh, primary writer of the AAP statement. But in her study, she and her colleagues said, Breastfed infants pacifiers should be introduced after breastfeeding has been well established. So just to give you some perspective, I do want to tell you that there are some established benefits of pacifiers. Again, we don't know exactly how this works, but it does seem that pain reduction in infants and children has been observed when they are sucking a pacifier. It has also been observed when they are sucking on something sweet and also when the babies are in arms. So, yes, sucking, and you're saying to me now, Marie, how do we know that these kids have less pain? Well, because they grimace less, they express pain less. So due to the magic of, of research, we can tell that, okay? But I do think that is a fair statement, that the pacifier will help to reduce the baby's perception of pain. I would point out, however, that it's sucking, it's something sweet, and it is something uh, that when, when the, the baby is held in arms. Okay, that's great, but what does breastfeeding do? Breastfeeding is sucking, breastfeeding it gives the baby something sweet, and oh, by the way, the baby is held in arms. So if you look at the, the studies by Carbajal, and I can't remember who else, I think one was the Gray study, I think there might have been another one along the way that I'm forgetting. And basically, what I'm trying to tell you here is that yes, the pacifier does do that, but breastfeeding would do that as well, and in fact, better. There have been uh, several studies that have shown 
that premature babies, now I'm talking premature babies, okay? When premature babies, those babies generally will make better weight gains. And a more recent study by uh, Engbretson and colleagues explained that pacifier use actually uh, was helpful and that uh, the babies, I believe that was the one where, oh yes, they were saying that it was that the babies had a chance to really organize their behavior because, of course, premature babies have a little trouble with organization. There are, however, a number of risks associated with, oh, and so the third one, of course, the third benefit is the possible, possible protection against SIDS and other sleep disorders. So what are the risks of pacifier use? Well, infection is a big one. Pacifier use has been associated with an increased risk of infection, especially, not only, but especially for ear infections, otitis media, acute otitis media, middle ear infections, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Again, hard to prove cause and effect, but there's a clear correlation. So what about uh, other kinds of infections? Well, yeast infection is another one. There are at least a couple of studies that have shown that the, the baby is more prone to have recurrent yeast infections if he's using the pacifier. That makes a lot of sense to me. Why so? Well, because the germs stay on the pacifier. Dental problems. This is how the Dental Association got into this. Uh, They have looked at dental malocclusions, misalignments, dental caries, also called cavities or decays. Uh, All of these have been associated with pacifier use. And again, it's easier to call these associations rather than causations. The one that I was surprised to learn about were the injuries that have been related to pacifier use. For instance, cuts during childhood, that is lacerations, are associated with pacifiers. Now, why would that be? Well, actually, as I was reading the studies, it certainly seemed to me it was because the pacifiers were on the floor. The babies were, were not babies. They were children. They were toddlers. They were falling over the pacifiers. And so they would uh, fall, hit their head, and get a a cut. Uh, Another baby actually had something, I don't really know what it is, but it's it's called a mucoseal involving the lower lip. And this occurred when a baby was actually using the pacifier incorrectly. Ostergaard's study showed that the, the, the baby had displacement of some teeth. Diarrhea is another one. Diarrhea has been associated with pacifier use. Now, Fatini and colleagues uh, noted that delaying the pacifier, meaning when the baby got a little older, not only helped to avoid early breastfeeding cessation, but also helps to reduce the risk of episodes of diarrhea in the first three years. Now, here's one that just blew me away. But it makes a lot of sense. Ferriera and colleagues conducted a very interesting study. They looked at 314 children. And I think, by the way, I think those kids were like three or four years old. And they found that prolonged pacifier use during childhood increased the likelihood of those children becoming smokers when they became adolescents or when they became young adults. Now, does this make sense to you? 
Well, it kind of makes sense to me. It tells me that they've gotten a habit that is an oral fixation of some kind. And apparently, that is part of the story. You probably have already figured out that when babies are sucking a pacifier, they're not sucking the mother's nipple. And so there is an earlier return of menses. There is also some correlation with allergies, specifically latex allergies. And I just want to sort of finish up with a little bit here about uh, finger sucking or digit sucking. There was a very interesting study uh, by uh, Fukumoto and his colleagues. They looked at 555 children. And they found that those babies who had been weaned from the breast before 12 months or those who had stopped using the pacifier before 14 months were the most likely to suck on their fingers. So when we come back, I'll summarize a little bit about breastfeeding uh, (laughs) breastfeeding outcomes and then we'll wrap up for the day. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I'm going to just pull this together uh, today by talking about pacifiers and breastfeeding outcomes. 
There's certainly been a number of studies. I've lost track of how many, well over a dozen, I'm sure, probably more than 20. I didn't count. Uh, But many studies that have shown that pacifier use has been related to early breastfeeding cessation. That is, mothers are giving up breastfeeding earlier than what they'd planned or earlier than six months. Uh, Is it true? Do pacifiers have an impact there? If it is true, is it important? Well, yeah, actually it is, because by now, it is a well-established fact that exclusive breastfeeding, giving the well-healthy baby no food or drink other than his mother's milk, this confers a number of short-term and long-term benefits for the individual baby and his mother and really society at large. So, yeah. It's important. It's important to avoid factors that could interfere with the continuation of exclusive breastfeeding for six months or for continued breastfeeding after the addition of solids, that is what the World Health Organization calls complementary foods, at six months. However, there are a number of questions about the nature and the extent of pacifier use on breastfeeding outcomes. Now, an excellent study was by Barros and colleagues. Barros, whom I believe is uh, the colleague of uh, Dr. Victoria, whom I mentioned a minute ago. And they showed that babies were three times more likely to be weaned before six months of age if they had used a pacifier. Very interesting study by Benison colleagues. And they showed that pacifier use could be a red flag that signals unresolved breastfeeding difficulties, which, by the way, I agree with that, or a decreased maternal motivation to breastfeed. And I agree with that with just one word, which is I think that it's got to be more than just motivation. It's got to be motivation and confidence. If mother is lacking motivation and she's lacking confidence, uh, yeah, the pacifier does come out. But then I guess that takes us back to Dr. Victoria's title of his early study, Is it a cause? Is it a consequence? Is it a coincidence? What's going on here? Uh, So the researchers in that study were very careful to point out that the pacifier itself was not necessarily the causal agent of weaning, but rather it was the the difficulties, the mother's motivation, and I'm just going to throw in that I think that confidence is another factor. Now, honey is another problem. I was astonished. I mean, I was just blown away when Benjamins and colleagues showed that 11% of the parents that they gave a survey to had used honey on a pacifier. And interestingly enough, about 80% of the mothers in that study were not aware that honey should not be given to a baby who's less than 12 months old. So if you're listening and if you're putting honey on the end of the pacifier for your baby, that is not a good idea. Why so? Because the honey contains the spores and it is a potential, I'm not saying it'll happen, I'm saying it gives the potential for botulism. All right, so honey should not be given to a baby who's less than 12 months old. Uh, The age at which the pacifier is first introduced, though, appears to be a key factor in whether or not the pacifier is a problem. Uh, I'm thinking of, for instance, the study by Bins and colleagues. They concluded that pacifier at age two weeks or so, if if the baby got it before two weeks, that breastfeeding cessation was more likely to occur before six months of age. 
And somewhere I know I have written down that the Howard study, of course, I'm always eager to uh, talk about Dr. Howard's study. She's actually in Rochester, New York. And those of you who know me know that uh, I that that's sort of my my original stomping grounds. Uh, Howard and colleagues showed that in the 700 newborns that they had, supplemental feedings, regardless of how they were fed, whether they used the the cup or the bottle for the supplementation, um, actually was more likely to result in early weaning, whether or not the mother had done the partial or the full breastfeeding. And in another study, they concluded that pacifier use was independently associated with significant declines in either full breastfeeding or partial breastfeeding. Now, if you go really, really far back, you will see that Dr. Leonard Regard, I want to say it was in the early 1990s, I'm thinking like 1992, he talked about how sucking the pacifier was related to uh, sore nipples. Again, I would caution you, I don't think that we can necessarily say if you suck the pacifier, you're therefore going to give your mother sore nipples. I would not say that. I would say it may well be that the baby is not suckling the breast correctly, so therefore he's not getting much food. So therefore, the mother wants to soothe him, so therefore she offers the pacifier. Again, we're back to we don't know what which came first, the chicken or the egg here. So here are my recommendations before we leave today. Number one, be aware of the pros and the cons. Like most birth or postpartum practices, using a pacifier has pros and cons. And perhaps the biggest known advantages are for the neuromuscular development of preterm babies who suck a pacifier the possible protection against the risk for SIDS, and how sucking a pacifier reduces pain perception in the newborn. However, that last thing is worth noting. It's true that pacifier sucking helps with pain, but also breastfeeding can do that as well, at least as well, maybe better. Number two, consider your goals for breastfeeding and understand that even though the relationship is not clear. There is some relationship between early pacifier use and early giving up of breastfeeding, early cessation, attrition, whatever you want to call it. There's a number of things people call it. Limit pacifier use. So if you're going to use the pacifier, remember that it can mask early hunger cues. And it also means that a baby who's hungry or sucking on a pacifier often goes unnoticed Uh, No one notices that he's showing hunger cues, so nobody responds. So pacifiers should not be offered immediately after birth, nor should they be used as a substitute or a way to hold off or delay the feeding. Pacifiers should not be offered during the newborn hospitalization period, and if the parent does wish to offer the the pacifier, don't do it until lactation is well established, the AAP is suggesting, and I would agree, around three or four weeks. Uh, pacifier use, the AAP says, should be discontinued by six months or so. Use the pacifier before the baby goes to sleep for the night or nap time, but please remember, that does not mean give the baby the pacifier all day long. 
Honestly, I have no idea where the time goes. It way goes way, way, way too fast. I would uh, like to thank you for being here today. And I'd also like to tell you that if you're interested in any of the books that we've mentioned on previous shows, I don't think I mentioned any tonight, but on previous shows, we now have our Amazon store on the breast, Born to be Breastfed website. So how do you go there? How do you get there? Well, you visit the website at borntobebreastfed.com and you'll see it. I'm happy to have anybody visit, but generally, if you're a parent, you'll want to visit me at Born to be Breastfed for the books and the media or to read my blog or or whatever, or you can go to my Facebook page. That's great. Uh, you're welcome to leave a question for me or for my guests. And by the way, <laughs> remember to like us while you're there. If you're a professional and if you're interested in continuing professional education, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice on the web and sometimes in your city. My professional website is born to is breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 